This is the LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealies, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. LexisNexis Legal News is a 2009 nominee in the ABA Journal Blog 100, the best legal blogs as selected by the ABA Journal's editors. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice. You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage or by going to LexisNexis.com store. The Second District California Court of Appeal on January 21st reinstated a putative class action seeking reimbursement for the purchase of illegal anabolic steroids from General Nutrition Stores Incorporated, or GNC. LexisNexis Mealy's Diet Drugs Report editor Michael Lefkowitz reports the appeals court found individual consumers' subjective belief as to the value of the products and knowledge of their illegality are immaterial. The appeals panel said Superior Court Judge Victoria Cheney was led astray by GNC's erroneous argument that the examination of each class member's subjective belief is required to show damage under the Consumer Legal Remedies Act. Saying that assumption was incorrect, the panel said a plaintiff in a Consumer Legal Remedies Act action must only show any damage, which is not synonymous with actual damages and may encompass harms other than pecuniary damages. The lawsuit was filed in 2004 and was coordinated with five other putative class actions in Los Angeles County Superior Court. The plaintiffs alleged that GNC sold products containing androstenedial without requiring a prescription and without notifying customers the products contained a controlled substance. Judge Cheney denied class certification in September 2008, saying the central issue was whether the illegal nature of the drugs was material to purchasers. The Court of Appeal explained the damage plaintiff Diego Martinez alleged in this case is that, in reliance on GNC's deceptive conduct, he bought an illegal product he would not have bought had he known it was illegal. The appeals court said, quote, he does not seek actual damages, but instead seeks restitution. He correctly argues that he is entitled to show that GNC's alleged deceptive conduct caused the same damage to the class by showing that the alleged misrepresentation was material even if GNC might be able to show that some class members would have bought the products even if they had known they were unlawful to sell or possess without a prescription, end of quote. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Bealey's Diet Drugs Report editor, Michael Lefkowitz. A unanimous Second District Court of Appeal, January 21st, affirmed a ruling in favor of Technicolor Incorporated because plaintiff Terry Bazzini failed to show fraudulent concealment of the risk of occupational chemical exposure. Bazzini alleged he contracted skin dermatitis and bladder cancer from exposure to chemicals while employed at Technicolor. The appeals court said there's no evidence Technicolor was aware of the significance of the skin problems suffered by Mr. Bazzini. A California jury January 19th returned a defense verdict for four companies in a case alleging mesothelioma arising from exposure to asbestos in, among other products, filters Lorillard Tobacco Company used in its cigarettes. The jury found the plaintiff, Robert Cox, had smoked Kent cigarettes between 1952 and 1956, but in an 11-to-1 vote, found that the product did not contain a design defect. 
Cox and his wife sued a number of companies in Los Angeles County Superior Court, alleging their conduct exposed him to asbestos. The Coxes alleged Robert Cox worked installing furnaces from 1948 to 1958. Of the four remaining defendants that proceeded to trial, Lorillard was accused of including Hollingsworth and Vos Company asbestos-containing filters in its Kent cigarettes. Cox's exposure to asbestos-containing products installed on Ream Manufacturing Company furnaces and Dowman Products joint compound was also at issue. The jury found that neither Laura Lard nor Hollingsworth and Vos was negligent or failed to warn about dangers they knew or should have known their products presented. The jury found that Cox had not inhaled asbestos fibers from products sold, distributed, manufactured, or supplied by Ream or Dowman. A federal judge on January 14th approved the dismissal of a suit between Employers Insurance Company of Wausau and Pepsi Americas based on the party's agreement to settle the coverage dispute stemming from environmental contamination at a chromium plating facility in Willits, California, operated by one of Pepsi America's predecessors. Employers of Wausau filed suit against Pepsi Americas and numerous other insurance companies for reimbursement of defense costs it paid under a reservation of rights. Wausau issued insurance policies to Stan Ray Incorporated, which was a Pepsi America's predecessor in interest. Five lawsuits have been filed against Pepsi America seeking damages for injuries caused by chromium exposure at the facility. Terms of the settlement were not disclosed. The Ninth Circuit has found a federal judge abused his discretion by assuming for the purposes of class certification analysis that the plaintiff's legal theory would fail. The unanimous Ninth Circuit panel held Central District of California Judge Philip Gutierrez erred when he denied a motion to certify a putative class in an employment action out of concern that practical obstacles could potentially develop if the plaintiff's legal theory were ultimately rejected. The plaintiffs in the lawsuit against ConocoPhillips sought class-wide relief under California law for the company's breaches of its legal obligation to provide workers with unpaid 30-minute meal periods totally relieved of all duties for every five hours of work. The panel reversed the decision to deny class certification and remanded for reconsideration of the plaintiff's motion. A federal magistrate in California has certified a nationwide class alleging that U.S. Financial Funds Incorporated violated the Truth in Lending Act and the unfair competition law by failing to properly disclose the interest rate and explain the interest rate would change over time in documents provided with its option-adjustable rate mortgage loan. Northern District of California Magistrate Judge Elizabeth Laporte granted the motion to certify the class January 22nd after the parties agreed to modify the definition of the proposed class based on the contents of loan documents provided to the plaintiff. The class action lawsuit was filed in early 2008 and accuses U.S. Financial of violating the Truth in Lending Act and the unfair competition law because the loan documents did not disclose the key terms of the loan. Specifically, it alleges loan documents did not disclose that for the first three years of the loan, the payments would not even satisfy the interest owed, thus resulting in negative amortization. The California Supreme Court has extended until March 1st the time it has to grant or deny review in a case in which a court held that commonality questions prevented certification of an unfair competition law class action. The class action filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court alleges DirecTV reduced the bandwidth of its transmission and the horizontal and interlaced vertical lines on certain HD channels. The changes allegedly delivered lower resolution images than customers contracted for, thus breaching the contract. Trial court denied motion for class certification, saying it included class members who had never seen the DirecTV advertising 
or who saw the advertising that did not include technical terms regarding bandwidth. On appeal, the Second District Court of Appeal said an ascertainable class exists, but it said, quote, we do not understand the unfair competition law to authorize an award for injunctive relief and or restitution on behalf of a consumer who was never exposed in any way to an allegedly wrongful business practice. A San Francisco judge ruled January 22nd that a trial attorney's use of a video posted on YouTube in an attempt to solicit individuals to join a class action lawsuit is not considered protected speech under state law. Superior Court Judge Harold Kahn ruled that an attorney and his firm cannot use the anti-slap law to prevent them from being sued for defamation. The makers of a dietary supplement filed suit alleging the attorney and his firm made defamatory comments against them as part of a YouTube video that was attempting to solicit potential class action members as part of the class action lawsuit. The judge found the allegedly defamatory comments equated to an advertisement and as a result fall short of protection under the anti-slap law. He said if the goal was to communicate with potential class members, there are far more narrowly tailored ways to do so. Instead, he said, quote, by invoking the new media of the Internet and its capacity to display videos, the attorney chose in a 21st century way to litigate in the press. The Ninth Circuit in mid-January held a federal judge did not abuse his discretion when he approved a settlement of a consumer fraud class action against a group of insurers. The class action complaint against Continental Casualty Company claims the insurer misled putative class members into buying long-term care insurance through uniform and deceptive sales and marketing practices. The party settled in January 2008. The Central District of California granted final approval to the agreement. Two class members objected to the settlement and filed an appeal, but the circuit court rejected the objector's argument that the settlement was not fair, reasonable, and adequate. Television writers suing studios, networks, production companies, and talent agencies for age discrimination have announced a $70 million agreement to settle 19 long-standing cases that allege discrimination in the selection and representation of writers. The settlement is subject to court approval. The proposed agreement would put an end to nearly 10 years of litigation. A number of class action complaints were filed by television writers in Superior Court in Los Angeles in 2000, claiming they were victims of systematic age discrimination by talent agents. The writers claimed the agents aided and abetted networks and studios by refusing to represent and refer older writers for work at production studios. Approximately $2.5 million of the settlement fund would be used to create a fund that would issue grants and loans to settlement class members in an effort to further their writing careers and study ways to supplement writers' pensions and improve access to medical insurance. An alliance of civil rights organizations in January filed a class action lawsuit in federal court accusing the Los Angeles County Probation Department and top county education officials of failing to provide basic education to youth housed in the county's largest juvenile probation facility. The American Civil Liberties Union of Southern California, Public Council, and the Disability Rights Legal Center filed a class action lawsuit in the Central District of California on behalf of three minors. The groups alleged the defendants failed to provide youth housed at the Challenger Memorial Youth Center in Lancaster, California, with basic and appropriate education. The plaintiffs claim that Administrators and teachers often rely on worksheets instead of substantive classroom instruction, deny all educational services to children who ask for assistance, and fail to ensure that students participate in the required school day. The plaintiffs claim the juvenile facility routinely releases teens that are functionally illiterate. The plaintiffs say the defendants have abdicated their responsibility of providing education to youth who, because of disciplinary issues, have been forced to attend the youth center.
the Lexus One community, where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus web search engine, free forms, and Mealy's Online. Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexis Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexusone.com For further information on these and other California cases, visit www.lexisnexis.com forward slash Mealy's, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S. LexisNexis Legal News California is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast, copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.